Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church of Murfreesboro. It is an honor and privilege to share this time with you. We love studying the scriptures and feel they are central to our preaching, teaching, and living of the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel. Our mission here is to grow disciples of Jesus Christ who know him, love him, and serve him for the transformation of Murfreesboro and the world. It is our prayer that God would use our preaching and teaching to do exactly that. If you have questions, thoughts, ideas, or just want to talk a little bit more about what you've heard today, we love to hear from you. Most of all, know that you are in our prayers as we listen together. Now, let's dive in. My name is Chrislyn Durham. I am one of the pastors here, and we are glad that you joined us in worship this morning. Our text this morning comes from Acts 2, uh, verses 1 through 21, and it is the day of Pentecost, as Miss Tammy shared with our children this morning. So join me in Acts 2 as we welcome the Holy Spirit this day. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, in our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, Let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I pour out my Holy Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even upon my slaves, both men and women in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents of the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." 
the word of God for the people of God. And so we say, thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy and loving God, we are here. May we be fully present in this moment, able to listen and hear a word from you this day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Amen. On January 31st, 1829, a letter was sent to President Jackson and part of the letter said these words. As you may know, Mr. President, railroad carriages are pulled at the enormous speed of 15 miles per hour by engines, which in addition to endangering life and limb of passengers, roar and snort their way through the countryside, setting fire to crops, scaring the livestock and frightening women and children. The Almighty certainly never intended that people should travel at such breakneck speed. Signed, Martin Van Buren, Governor of New York. 15 miles per hour. I don't know about you, but when I have to go 15 miles per hour, I get a little irritated. <laughs> it's kind of slow now. The people of 1829 had this great fear that this new thing called the railroad was going to derail the society. The perspective of the people of 1829 is one that is only able to be seen when you see the world in a way that they live in the world. And they couldn't see beyond that. And they had to wait to see how it unfolded. Interestingly enough, these people would come to experience the change that would take place over the next 200 years as we move from horse and carriage and trains that travel at 15 miles per hour to cars that would travel at least 70 miles per hour on the interstate. In the text this morning, we find a familiar group of people who by the end of our reading were waiting, just like those people in 1829. They had no idea what they were actually waiting for, but they knew that it would change everything. Barbara Brown Taylor in her sermon, Clothed with Power, describes what I would imagine to be the scene in the room that the disciples were in. They were praying for the most part. Maybe they were asking God to tell them a little more about what they were waiting for. How would, it, how would they know when the power had fallen on them? What, would it tingle? Would it hurt? How did the Holy Spirit go about baptizing people exactly? Jesus said something about fire. That sounds a bit dangerous. Did he mean real fire or spiritual fire? Maybe they should fill some jars with water just in case. To understand what's going on, we have to go back to the beginning, the first chapter of Acts. Something that we heard a bit about last week when we talked about the ascension of Jesus. Interestingly, the author, gives us, or the author gives us a little more insight than just the last day that he ascended. And the words that Jesus chose to share with his disciples and the instructions that he left. First, he said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. 
Then he said the words that are probably the most well-known words from the first of Acts. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus was lifted into the clouds and taken out of sight. For years, when I read the final set of instructions, be my witnesses, I just always knew them as geographical locations. The men who Jesus was speaking to were Jews. It wasn't uncommon for them to worship in Jerusalem or even in Judea. But if you were to go back to the story of the Samaritan woman in John, you would find that Samaria was a no-go for most Jews. They would rather go around, literally around Samaria, adding time to their trip rather than go through Samaria. At this point, most pastors would tell you that Jesus is asking his disciples to reach out to all people, not just those people that make you comfortable. Asking you to step out of your comfort zone and tell the world about all that you had seen and heard. And it wasn't until a couple years ago that I thought the same thing about this verse. A couple years ago, I went to a pre-conference meeting, which sounds about as exciting as it is. And the district superintendent was preaching. And as he preached about this text, he personalized it in a way that I hadn't heard. While I can't remember exactly what he said, I do remember this. Up until that moment on that day, the statement, go and be my witnesses, makes sense. But those words always felt a bit hollow because they were directed towards the disciples. The geographical locations, as we talked about in this text, they didn't mean that much to me beyond the relationship that I understood between the disciples and the people in each of those areas that I had learned in seminary. But as I sat, the thought came to my mind, what if I looked at it differently? What if it said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Murfreesboro and in all of Tennessee and to the places that make you uncomfortable, the places where you find the people whom you disagree with, the places where there is generational hate and despise that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation and to the ends of the earth. How would that change it for me? How would that change it for you? As the disciples waited, a sound like a violent wind filled the entire space. And in that moment, literally everything changed. They began to speak in tongues unknown to them and the Spirit gave them that ability and the ability to be courageous in telling the world, living out the call to go to the ends of the earth. But the story doesn't stop there. I want you to imagine for just a moment what it was like to be in the crowd celebrating with some of your friends or maybe you were preparing your offering to bring to the Lord or maybe you were sitting and just watching the celebration take place in front of you. When all of a sudden you begin to hear this noise, 
You and the people around you begin to go towards the noise because you just can't help it. And then you realize it's not noise. It's languages. It's words. And then you realize that you are hearing your own native language. They didn't have to try and figure out what was being said. They simply heard it. And many of them were compelled to take hold of the spirit that dwelt in the disciples, letting it take hold of them as well. You see, the spirit moved in such a way that it interrupted everything and everyone who was willing to listen. The spirit invaded human life in a way that shattered the old expectations and created something new and filled it with light in the midst of the darkness. That moment changed the way that God would communicate and love God's people moving forward. At this point, for many of us, I think the question becomes, does the Holy Spirit still move the way that she did on Pentecost centuries ago? Does she still communicate with the world and the people in it, allowing God to pervade the darkness in which many still live? I have a secret for you. The answer is yes. <laughs> the Spirit still moves within us. There are people every day who are obedient to what God has placed on their lives and on their heart. Sometimes it's by being a friendly face, maybe as one that you saw when you walked in the door today. Sometimes it's using your gift to spread love and encouragement to another human being. Sometimes it's sitting in a hospital room and holding the hand of someone as they go from this place to be with God. Sometimes it's allowing yourself to simply be present with another so they are not alone in their struggle. The Spirit moves every day. The question is, are we paying attention? Are we actually listening? Are we willing to witness to what we have seen and heard? Are we willing to go to the places that are difficult or unknown to us? When I was in college, I was sitting in the library of the Wesley Foundation at Tennessee Tech. And Bud Alexander, the campus minister, came in and sat down and he asked me a question I will never forget. He said, have you thought about ministry? After saying no and pretty much dismissing him, his words to me were this. I just felt like I should say that. And he left. Because Bud was willing to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit had placed on his heart in that moment, I was able to hear for the first time something that I would never have come to on my own. I was able to understand for the first time why nothing else seemed to work. I was able to begin to answer my own call on my life because Bud was willing to ask me a simple question. 
Dennis Bennett once wrote, the Spirit inspires us to move beyond the safety of our old patterns and to play the old song of God's love in a new way. Are we listening? Are we letting the Spirit move among us? Each of us have gifts that God has given us. Some have the gift of hospitality, some of shepherding, some of administration, and there are so many others. I think often when we talk about the spirit moving and the spiritual gifts that God has given us, we often automatically assume that they have to be used in the church. But I would venture to say that more often than not, those gifts are better used outside of the church. Hear me say this, you don't have to work for a church or be in the church to use the gifts that God has given you. Are you using those gifts? Are you listening to what the Spirit places on your heart? Are you letting the Spirit invade your life in such a way that it changes the very person that you are? In 1829, the United States was changed. It was a change that within the next 200 years would lead to cars and airplanes. And it, would, it was a change that would revolutionize transportation. On the day leading up to Pentecost, 11 people waited with anticipation. Knowing a new understanding about Jesus and hearing his words of be my witnesses to all people of all places. The world was changed by the faith and obedience of men and women who waited until the spirit of the Lord came upon them. And with that spirit, those few people changed the world. That same spirit moves among us today. It may not look the same, but it moves. The question is, how will you respond? In fear and trembling, in faith and obedience, in all of the above. In the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer, may the people of God say, amen.